Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. His name was mentioned a few times in our previous podcast episodes because he's regarded as one of the best LinkedIn experts. He loves to experiment with how LinkedIn works and sharing his findings with others. He is a book author, content creator, and above all, great person to chat with. Here he is, John Esperian. It's absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much um, uh, to come on uh, our LinkedIn Smart Podcast. You're in the right place because you've been mentioned uh, on this show quite a few times and I was really looking forward to, to have you on the show. So thank you for your time. You're welcome, Vitek. Thank you for having me. And yes, I've just been paying all of your guests to say my name on your show. That's all. <laughs> John, first question, same for everyone. You know, how have you started uh, with, with LinkedIn? Tell us uh, your story. Was it love and first sight? No, not really. My, my ex-boss, when I was working at a, at a call center, actually suggested I get on LinkedIn. I didn't want to. I resisted for a couple of years, and eventually I joined in November 2008 and did nothing. I was just doing it to get him off my back. Uh, and then when I set up my own business, uh, other social media was failing for me, and I decided to go all in on LinkedIn, and that was at the end of 2016. So that's really when I fell in love with the platform, and I was lucky it coincided with Microsoft off buying LinkedIn and the algorithm and the user interface changing. So it was good timing for me, but it's been my number one social media platform since then. Hmm. You've been on a platform for some time and, and you've seen all those changes and all, you know, can you compare the platform, what it was before and what is it for you now? How do you, how do you feel about those, those, those things? Yeah, well, it's the usual thing. I mean, when I first got involved with LinkedIn, I just thought it was a, some kind of CV platform or something that only job seekers would use. But now it is a fully fledged social media network. It's got all of the features that you would expect. It enables conversation. It lets you do video. It lets you do direct messages. You can share different document types. Uh, it's got reactions. It, it's got everything that you would expect from a social media network. And for that reason, I think, and because it's business focused, I think it's the number one platform for people to be on if they want to support their business. Hmm. John, how have you become a LinkedIn expert? How have you become a LinkedIn coach, LinkedIn trainer, whatever, whatever you call it? I wanted to learn more about the platform so that I could demonstrate my powers of explanation because what I do for a living is technical copywriting, which means I explain how stuff works. But because I'm often not able to tell the details of who my clients are and which project I've worked on, I thought the best way to demonstrate how I'm able to explain things is to go on LinkedIn and explain how LinkedIn works. And that's kind of worked out really well for me. And also I'm a natural experimenter. In a previous life, I think I would have been a biochemist. That's kind of what I wanted to do with my career. Uh, and so I love doing experiments. I love seeing how things work. And I also used to be a software and hardware tester. So it's natural for me to, if I see a new menu, a new button, I, I think, well, what will happen if I click that? And then I like to share the results. So that has, has led me to become known as the person who gathers the data 
tests the stuff so that we don't have to, and then shares all the results uh, with full transparency. So that's what I always aim to do with my content. Yeah, it's actually uh, very admirable, and I, I think you admire it because of uh, one, one of one, one, one of the things people admire about you, and that's why you've been mentioned so many times on the show. It's because you're experimenter, you're experimenting with things on LinkedIn, um, and you're bringing those results, um, you know, um, to us, and and we can we can learn from from all this, which is. Again, very admirable. What is driving you to, to do that? I know that you mentioned it a little bit, but can you just dig a little bit deeper and, and tell me, you know, what is behind that? Is there any, any drive which, uh, which takes you through those weird places on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think what I really like, the thing that really drives my passion for my business is helping people understand how things work. It's taking someone from going, hmm, I don't really get this, to going, oh, I understand now. Why didn't someone just say that to begin with? I love taking people on that transformation. And with LinkedIn, it's really like that as well, because LinkedIn is kind of a, a bit of a weird platform. You know, there's lots of things that are not quite right or some little tricks that you need to know to get it to work properly. And I don't like to have people in the dark. I like to help them to improve their business presence. So it's just something that really gives me joy. And, and truthfully, even if I weren't paid to, to run my business through LinkedIn, which is essentially what's happening, I think I would do this as a hobby. It's something I really enjoy. So there we go. Hmm. LinkedIn is not making it easier for us to understand how things work, right? So, so I think that's um, you have a lot of lot of things to explore on LinkedIn for for that matter. Why do you think it is it is like that? I don't know. I think I think LinkedIn has long been focused on itself too much rather than on the needs of its users. So, despite what it might say publicly about you know we are all for our members. I don't see much evidence of them really listening to member feedback. And in fact, it's actually quite difficult to even provide feedback direct to LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose they're, they're, they're serving their own needs and, and their only real interest, I, I guess, is keeping the really big clients happy, the people who will pay for, you know, 10,000 sales navigator licenses, because that's what really, that's where their money comes from. The average user who's trying to get organic reach for their small business, like me, we don't matter so much to LinkedIn. So I think that's probably why um, there's a bit of a disconnect there. And also there seems to have been over the years, I mean, perhaps this is improving, but there seems to have been a little bit of a siloed approach on LinkedIn where maybe the desktop team don't quite communicate with the mobile team. And so some things don't match up properly, but I think things are getting better. I like the new user interface that's recently been uh, implemented. And I like some of the other recent changes. So for example, it looks as though the, the immediate engagement on a post uh, which used to be really important for getting visibility, isn't that important anymore, which means that people who are naturally creating content are more likely to have success versus those people who go all get into an engagement pod and everyone has to like something within the first few minutes so that it can succeed. So there are signs of some positive changes within LinkedIn. And also I would say that the new CEO of LinkedIn, Ryan Roslansky, he does seem like a breath of fresh air to me. I like the fact that he's talking to his audience directly through LinkedIn stories. Uh, and I don't see, I don't feel as though Jeff Weiner, the previous CEO, would have done that if stories were around. So I, I just, I like the direction in which things are going. 
I actually have seen uh, one of your posts, which uh, you shared actually at Ryan Roslansky uh, LinkedIn story the other day, and and mentioning something about um, your your feeling about about this and about the platform. Out of those uh, those new features which were just recently coming out. What would you what do you like what you like the most or oh, in generic term what do you like most about about LinkedIn? I think that the, the fact that you've got such an array of methods for for communicating with your audience I think that's the thing I like most. I, I always say that your 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 content tells and your profile sells. Okay, so I I, I urge people to put whatever sales messages they've got into their profiles but to use all of the other ways of communicating with people to just tell your story and show your expertise and your authority. So there are so many things, text only posts, image posts, document posts, polls, video posts, featured items, direct messages, voice notes, the, the, the array of methods for communicating with your audience is better on LinkedIn, I think, than any other platform. And that's why I like it because if I were, as a writer creating only text only posts, I think people would be bored of that. But because I have a bigger menu to choose from, I can keep it fresh and relevant and try something different and see what resonates with my audience. And I, and I say to people, even though I do lots of experiments and I create lots of content, all I can say from that is I know what works for me. And my best advice always is, Test what works for you. So just because I found that over the last two and a half years, for example, text posts get twice as much engagement as image posts, that's true for me, but it might not be true for you and your business and your audience. So I just encourage everyone to, to use all of the tools available. If you've never tried video, maybe that will be brilliant for you. You won't know unless you try. But the difficulty in getting started, you know, is much lower than it ever was because we've all got smartphones these days. And if you're really nervous, you could maybe do something on a LinkedIn story because it'll be gone in 24 hours and there's no evidence of it existing afterwards. So it's a nice, easy way to put a toe in the water. And there are loads of loads of methods to get started. Hmm. I know, John, you mentioned that um, you are a business owner, you own your own business, you get uh, leads from LinkedIn. And I would like to keep it in, in, that, in, in that realm. Just talk about, you know, what we can do as a business owners to, to get ourselves out there, to, to get ourselves noticed, to get our business noticed and to get some leads from the business on, on LinkedIn. Well, that's a very common question for my new clients. And I say that everyone should start by looking for relevant content that they can engage with. So most users on LinkedIn are what I call lurkers or consumers. You know, they, they are just watching. They do not engage. A smaller group of people are the contributors, the people who like and comment on other people's stuff. But that's a really, really great way to get your name out there. So I would use LinkedIn search to look for the kind of people that you want to most influence. So for example, I might be looking for chief technical officers in London because they're the kind of people who might hire a guy like me and then see which ones of them are active on LinkedIn, follow all of them and then go on a campaign of liking and commenting with authority and relevance on their content because that will get you on their radar. And even if it doesn't bring you a lot of followers from doing that, 
the quality of those followers should be really good and that can lead to business. So I would start with engaging on other people's content and then I would move to creating your own content. And if you've done the first bit correctly, then a proportion of people will want to reciprocate and, and comment on your stuff. And that's how you can get real authority and visibility. Yeah, I, I like that very much. And uh, I don't know if I read it on your on one of your posts. Uh, somebody mentioned if you don't know what to post, start commenting on other people's posts on your on your target audience, because that's actually content. Mm -hmm. If the comments are not just oh wonderful and, and you know, amazing, just do just one word. But if it's really meaningful comments, then that's that's your content. I know that you love to talk about content and I would like to ask you from your experience, what is the best content which works for you? I know you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the text post, but uh, if you would give your advice to some, some small business owners out there who are usually listening to this podcast, what would that be? What, what advice would that be? So I say in the book that I think that the best types of content for LinkedIn are the things that generate visibility and the things that generate visibility are the things that encourage engagement. So I have a framework in my book called CHAIR, which stands for challenging, helpful, amusing, interesting, and relevant. Because mm -hmm. those five content types, if you create content that has, that meets one of that, one of those criteria, you know, challenging content will be you putting forward a potentially divisive opinion because that gets people talking. Helpful content is the kind of thing that people will want to reciprocate with. Amusing content is the kind of content that people will want to share. And interesting and relevant content are really important if you want to keep people engaged so that they stick around and keep following you. Because if you post things that are irrelevant, they will unfollow you. And once someone's unfollowed you, they're gone. You're not going to hear from them again. So all of those content types tend to generate likes and comments. And those are the accelerants of visibility on LinkedIn. The more comments you can get, and certainly, you know, in-depth, meaty comments, they're the ones that, that LinkedIn is going to pay attention to. And of course, as you're well aware, changes to the LinkedIn algorithm means that LinkedIn is now promoting content that has a high dwell time. So that's something that a lot of people spend time consuming but also they spend time commenting. Mm. So the amount of time that's put into a post by the creator, but also by the contributors, I think those are factors in how well that content does. So if you get loads of really long comments, that's a great sign. If you get loads of dwell time, that's a really great sign. You can maximize your dwell time by creating two types of content. One is document posts, which take a little bit longer to create, but they do tend to get a lot of click-throughs and, and a lot of time spent consuming them. And obviously the other type is videos um, because you know the average watch time will be much higher for a video than it would be for a text post. Uh, and so, so documents and videos are great for dwell time and, and dwell time is great for your visibility. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned something which uh, caught my attention as well, and that is uh, likes and comments. If we would be just just talking about these two things, what is more important? Because many times, you know, people will say, oh, I have this many likes on my post, but very few comments. What is more important from the perspective of the LinkedIn algorithm, likes or comments? Comments are much more important because, again, as I've just said, 
I think LinkedIn is paying attention to the amount of time poured into the content from the audience. And a comment takes longer to write than just clicking a like button. And similarly, a comment takes a lot longer to write than clicking the share button. So I think it's, the comment is where the real value comes from, which means that you need to set up your content in such a way that it encourages people to contribute. So the, the two main ways I recommend to my clients is you either end with a question to try and get people to answer stuff, or you could try and deliberately leave something out of your post so that some part of your audience wants to go, Ah, but what about this? And then you can start a debate from that. So, for example, you're comparing, you know, the, the best email providers and you mention MailChimp and you mention ConvertKit and then you met, you leave out active campaign or whatever. Mm -hmm. It gives an opportunity for the people who know what they're talking about to demonstrate some of their authority. And then you can get into a conversation and that that kind of maximizes your your reach potential for the content. But set things up so that they're a conversation. And I always say that all content is just the beginning of a conversation. So think about it like that and give your audience an opportunity to get involved. And then that, that way your, your, your view count, you know, will, will snowball. Again, very, very interesting. And when you're mentioning chair, the concept which you have in your, in your book, Content DNA, the C for me, you, you mentioned challenging, you know, <laughs> we, I had some guests on, on the podcast and they mentioned the C as a controversial and they, they are okay with being controversial. What do you think about that? I mean, is that, is that the similarity, the word challenging and controversial? Is it, is it a similar thing for you? It, it's something that makes people think, but also very often divides the room, you know, and it really seems to be true that if you're, you know, you imagine that you're in a room with 100 people. If you can say something divisive, then maybe 10 of those people in the room will really buy into what you're saying and want to follow you. And everyone else thinks, oh, that's terrible. That's not for me. But that's better than having 50 people going, yeah, he's OK. And the other 50 going, eh, no, I don't really think so. You know, you, you want to try and find who your real followers are, who the people who believe exactly what you believe, because they're the ones who will turn into the customers who pay you the most, who, you know, who tell other people about your services, who, who shout your name from the rooftops and all of that stuff. So actually, it is good to stand for something. Mm. And your marketing, I always say that, in fact, I got this from a colleague, Doug Kessler, um, your, your marketing should be like a magnet. You know, so it should attract, you know, we, we're all about attract, but it should also repel. So you should stand for something that is clear enough that people will like it, but also some people won't like it. And you need to be a bit brave in doing that. Otherwise, you'll just be kind of grey and boring and right in the middle and you never offend anyone. But the problem with that is no one will remember you because you, you're just the guy who agrees with everything or everything's fine. You don't really want to be that guy. Okay, I'm going to become a little bit more controversial in my podcast then. <laughs> John, we're getting into, into content and talking about content. And uh, many times I'm being asked as well this, this question is, you know, how to stand out with our content? I know you're mentioning controversial. I know you, I mean, controversial, you mean challenging or the chair concept and all that. But many times what I've seen on, on the LinkedIn, and I'm pretty sure you, you have the same experience, you know, people are sharing the content, which is okay how to become a unique, how to become somebody who will be noticed? Yeah, I, I think the best thing to do is to have a very clear idea of who it is that you want to most influence. 
and then create the content that you would want to you know share with them in person so if you know for, from a from a business point of view right you want to create content that addresses the problems in your industry so that you can show that you're a trusted voice so how many people are really aware of what the problems are in your industry that you could talk about and also what kind of what kind of things are objections to people wanting to work with you? If you can address that in your content, that's really useful as well. But overall, whenever you create a piece of content, it always has to have your, your branding building blocks. You know, it has to have your unique shape to it. And, you know, one of the golden rules of copywriting is to make sure that you write the way you speak. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people try and use fancy words they try and use long sentences because maybe that's what they were taught in school this is the correct way to write well that might be right for academic writing but business writing and certainly for linkedin people will appreciate simpler messages so if your writing sounds as though it's just like you having a conversation with the person you'll be more likely to influence the reader so 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 that's the thing to keep in mind always read out your text when before you post it and make sure it sounds like you it shouldn't sound like someone else this is the big mistake i made before 2016 is i was trying to be too formal but i'm not a formal person it wouldn't make any sense if you meet me and you've read a formal post it doesn't make sense when you meet me and see that i'm quite relaxed and fun and, and stuff like that so it's got to sound like you Make sure that you do that first, but also if you can, just share as much about problems and objections so that you can build trust with your audience. You know, transparency really matters. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really interesting. Like a being authentic, right? Like you know, write the post as you would talk. Would you actually encourage people to add some emoticons, some kind of graphics, or, or you know, b- bits and pieces, you know, inside inside the text? Yeah, I'm happy to use emojis in my content, and I do a lot. I know, I know, it doesn't suit everyone. So if it's if it feels natural to you, then absolutely do it. You know, if you would put them in a in a direct message or in an email, then absolutely include them in a LinkedIn post or in an article. Some people will think, "Oh, that's not very professional. I don't like that person." Well, all right, fine. That that's not going to be your ideal customer, but some people will love it because that's the way they communicate as well. Uh, in terms of including graphics, so if you're talking about adding an image to a post, then in that case, you know that prevailing advice for all social media is content that has an image will get more engagement. That's not true on LinkedIn, in my experience. Actually, text-only content tends to perform a lot better. But again, going back to what I said earlier. That is what I have found. Mm -hmm. If you're working in a highly visual industry, you know, you sell diamond rings. Well, if you do text only content, (laughs) you're missing an opportunity. Well, probably better to do a video in that case. But you know what I mean? So it kind of depends on what kind of business you're in. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I found that that text only content works better. And therefore, you know, I, I don't do images with every post or anything like that. Uh, you know, that said, I'm still aware, even though I'm a writer, I'm aware of the power of visual branding. But I suppose I'd rather communicate that through a video because I think that that shows more personality. It shows the person being animated and, and it conveys a lot of information in a short period. You can tell very quickly that's the kind of guy I'd like to work with, which you don't necessarily get from an image. So I think I'd rather do a video than, than do an image post personally. 
If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. Didn't you find that sometimes overproduced images and videos are kind of backfiring in terms of engagement? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think people, especially now that we're in this kind of weird lockdown period, I think people are, you know, more likely to want to see stuff that, that looks more real, you know. So, so long as you've got half decent lighting and half decent audio which actually this this doesn't cost a lot to have because even a smartphone microphone is, is is decent and you can get an led light for you know twenty dollars or something so you needn't break the bank but if you create some kind of video content that will put you ahead of probably 95 percent of linkedin users so it doesn't take a lot to stand out and if you are over polished, then people probably suspect something. Mm -hmm. So I, I would rather see, you know, I mean, look, even even LinkedIn CEO is doing mobile phone video and he's probably earning a lot of money, but he's happy to do video like that. You, you don't see him in a suit and tie with a massive studio and stuff. It's fine because the content is what's important. It doesn't really matter so much your setting or, you know, whether you've brushed your hair or whatever, people will buy the person, won't they? So I think um, I, th I encourage everyone to give it a try. And, uh, and the best thing that they can do is do a lot of practice in private if they want or in public, but in private, it's easy. You know, I, I tell some of my clients who are scared of doing video, you know, just record a video on your phone and then delete it and then record another one and delete it and record another one and delete it. And eventually you just get bored of pressing the delete button and maybe you go, this is good enough. And, and you'll probably find that your audience likes it. Hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of different tools, actually, because I'm a video producer and uh, a TV producer by my profession. So I do tend to give some advice around along these, these lines and videos. And um, me, myself, personally, I use actually my mobile phone to record my social media videos, really. I don't use the team or anything. And um, there are some tools which you can turn your phone into teleprompter, so you don't even remember the text which you want to want to say. So, so there are so many different apps which can really make your life easier, and you can really just con concentrate on uh, delivery. Yeah, um, that, that reminds me of one thing, which is that, and you you may have covered this in the past, but that if you are going to bother creating a video, it's really important to include captions on your video as well. Because, you know, like Facebook has said, more than 80% of social video is played with the sound turned off. So you're, you're, you're losing four out of every five viewers if you don't include captions, because maybe it's late and the baby's asleep and they want to consume your video, but they can't because you haven't put captions on. Or maybe they're on the train and they've forgotten their headphones. You know, so, so do include captions. And, and sometimes that can pose a bit of a technical challenge. But even on mobile, that's now improving. Um, but yeah, if you can do that, that will take your videos up a level, I think. And again, there are some apps and tools which you can use, right? Like a rev.com and Capwing and so on and so forth. Uh, We're talking about content and the question which comes up very, very often is how often do I need to post? Yeah, I recommend that new people on LinkedIn aim to post maybe twice a week. Mm -hmm. And 
experienced people probably can get away with posting no more than about five times a week. And the reason is that, that your engagement potential for LinkedIn is much, much longer than it is on other social platforms. And also what you'll find is that if one post starts to do well for you and then you post another thing, well, LinkedIn will either promote the new thing or it will keep promoting the existing thing, but it won't promote both of them at the same time. So you've got a problem. You either wait and wait for the engagement on the first to die down, which might take a few days, um, or you take the risk of having two things in the air at the same time, and one of them is probably going to crash if you do that. So actually, this is good because it means that you don't need to be constantly on this hamster wheel of, oh, I've got to create, I've got to create, I've got to create. It's much better to use that time to comment on other people's stuff. So I recommend that for every one time you post, you should comment maybe five times on other people's content. So if you post twice a week, well, I, I want to see 10 comments on other people's content. And, and I think that's a better use of your time rather than creating loads for your own feed, because I, I think it won't get seen enough. Okay. I'll put you on the spot. How, how often do you post? My average over the last two years has been five, five posts per week. Uh, right now, I'm probably doing about three a week and that's enough. I always reserve Friday for my Friday shout posts where I pick someone from my network and celebrate them. So that's always one of those per week. But I'm doing maybe a couple of other posts at the moment, but that's enough. It, it's enough to get my profile views nice and high and it helps me start conversations and I don't need to be a content machine posting every day. It's not relevant for me to do that. John, did you find any uh, lesser engagement when you're using certain schedulers like Hootsuite or Postify or some, some other? Because some people, they say, you know, like, uh, I really don't have a time to spend, uh, you know, 50 yeah. minutes or one hour uh, every day, you know, to just to post and some, something like yeah. this. I would rather, you know, uh, put it in a Postify or in a Hootsuite and just let it, let it run. Yeah, well, before the start of 2017, I was using Buffer to do my social scheduling and I would spend 20 minutes each week putting blog posts in and then I would kind of forget about it and let it do its job during the week. And it got me zero engagement. But I, I think that partly was because I was never around to do the engagement piece afterwards. So there's no point putting content out as a broadcaster and then not be there to try and support other people's content. So I think you can schedule things but only if you're going to be there to react to people's engagement with you and then to go and seek other people's content to interact with, which you can't automate, right? Yeah, that has to be a manual process for now. So I think it can work, but in practice, because I'm not posting that often, I found that doing everything manually actually works much better for me. And I've got good results since making that switch. Talking about automation, I would, you know, I, I need to ask, <laughs> what is your relationship with the, all these automation tools out there for LinkedIn? Well, I, I don't think any of them are a good idea, really. I, I think they, you know, they probably lead to the killing of the platform because so many people will get turned off by them. And, you know, we've all probably had salesy messages that have obviously been sent to 10,000 people at the same time. And I don't know how often those things work, but it must be a very, very low rate. They certainly don't work on me. Uh, what I'd rather do is, is kind of do back-end automation. So, so front-end automation like that is very obviously automated and that, that, that smells horrible. I don't like it. But back-end automation could be, for example, having certain text keyboard shortcuts so that you can write 
you know, you can put a, a certain message to a sales prospect in just a couple of keystrokes. So I use something like text expander for that. Uh, and that saved me a lot of time. That is automation, but the message can then be tailored a little bit and it, and it is personal, but I've just saved myself some keystrokes. Uh, another thing is, you know, I keep a spreadsheet so that every two weeks I go back and check the status of each of my posts to see the view counts and I log those things. And now I'm logging them through a, a, a separate system called Shield Analytics. Okay, so so that is automation and I get my stats from that and then I can do some number crunching and present things. So I'm using automation, but I'm not doing it in a way that's really publicly obvious. So I think back end automation is, is just smart business. Front end automation, that stinks. <laughs> I believe uh, majority of the people are on the platform in order to uh, to do business, to create a business relationships. And um, I think most of the small business owners, they always ask, you know, okay, so I post, I, I show up, I do all these things. Where does the business comes, comes out of all this? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, you know, I'll just tell people my, my story whenever they ask that because I, I went deep on LinkedIn at the start of 2017, end of 2016, and nothing happened for the first nine months. I was posting regularly. I was trying to build a network. I was trying to talk to people. I wasn't being salesy, nothing happened. And it's only because I studied content marketing and saw lots of case studies of people who would start trying to be known for one thing and then stick at it for long enough for it to work that I knew that if I did the same, it would work for me too. Otherwise I would have just given up and placed a load of Google ads or something, right? So I say to everyone, you know, especially the people who say, hey, John, you're getting good engagement. How can I get that kind of engagement? And the answer is do the kind of things that I do, but do it for two or three years and then come back and we'll have a chat and it will work. You know, if you just try and write six articles on LinkedIn and think that suddenly you're going to be this huge influencer with loads of business, it doesn't work that way. You, you need to show up for long enough, you know, for it to work. And also just remember that I think the best business comes from conversation. All right. So there's two types of conversation. You either have it publicly in the comments or privately in the direct messages. And I love direct messages. I'm, I'm using the voice notes feature in direct messages to keep in contact with people a lot and sometimes even video messages as well. And I think it's a really nice, quick, easy, personal way of, of, of staying relevant to people and keeping in touch. And when the time comes, those people will either refer me for copywriting work or they'll hire me themselves, you know, or at the very least, they'll remember that I'm that guy who's helped them on LinkedIn. And, and that that's the thing you want. You want to be remembered for what you're good at. Uh, and that that's how you get referrals and business. Hmm. You mentioned direct messaging. I think it's, uh, it's very, very important because many people, they, they forget about that and they don't know actually how to do that. It, there is an art to it, right? Um, what, do, what do you use? I mean, uh, do you use any, any specific strategy? Yeah, so what I do is because almost all of my connections come to me rather than me going to them, it's all inbound, right? So they, if they'll invite me to connect and if I accept, then I will send back usually a text response to ask them, you know, how they heard of me if, if they haven't made that clear uh, or pick out something that's interesting from their profile to try and start a conversation. If I get a good response, then I will send them a pre-recorded video that, I've, that I host on Vimeo uh, and that lets me put in things like calls to action for, you know, join my mailing list and, and you know, find out more about LinkedIn services. Um, but it's done in a very non-salesy kind of friendly 
somewhat humorous fashion. And that can help me build more of a conversation with the person. And then sometimes I'll send voice notes or even a, a personal video. I don't send a personal video to everyone because that would just take way too long. But if it's someone that I'm getting along with well, then I do because, you know, it just brings me that bit closer to the person. So I, I start with that, you know, pre-recorded video message. And again, it's, it's coded into one of my keyboard shortcuts. So just type in a few letters and boom, there it is. So it's a really easy thing for me to share. And that's got me great results. Very, very few people think that it's salesy or spammy or inappropriate because it isn't. You know, it's a 30 second of me saying hi. Um, and most people don't do that. So actually, it's very easy to stand out because most people don't make that effort. You know, they might not even say anything through direct message. Imagine receiving a video or a voice note that puts you ahead of lots of other people. Mm. And that's all you need to do. Just put yourself a little bit ahead of everyone. And that's enough to, to, to help you be memorable. I found direct messaging, you know, the, the environment in, on a LinkedIn a little bit clumsy, to be honest. It's kind of difficult sometimes. Sometimes you feel like you're almost losing certain certain uh, track of, of the messages, uh, if, especially if you're kind of like a power user and you, you have, you have a, a lot of conversation. What do, you, what do you do in that case? Well, I, I just make sure that everything that isn't waiting on me for a response goes into my archived folder so that only active conversations sit in my inbox and I archive everything else. You know, so I take the action, whatever the action is, and then I archive. And if that person responds, it, it jumps automatically out of the archive back into the inbox. And then we have an active conversation again. But that way there's less mental load on me because I'll think, well, I've got four conversations on the go. Everything else is archived. If it was spam, then I might have reported them or blocked them or, or deleted the message. Everything else is relevant, but it might not be active right now. So just take it out of your view and that will make it a lot easier to deal with. I Personally, I wish you could do the same really quickly with notifications, mm. because what I'd love to do is just my, my process for notifications is once I've dealt with something, I delete the notification. So it's done. It's out of my way. Uh, and I wish you could kind of batch select and, 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 and remove those in one go rather than seeing so-and-so liked, so-and-so liked, so-and-so liked. I, I, no, I don't really care. I just want to get rid of those. So the interface can be clunky at times. It would be great if they listened to us. But uh, there we go. They don't always. <laughs> in what stage of this, of this um, you know, communicating with your clients, you'll take them to your email box? Or when, when do you do that? Uh, I think it's only when someone actually says, you know, okay, let's let's have a chat now, or yes, I want to fill in your copywriting brief so that we can get working together. Other than that, if it's just general to and fro chat, it's fine to do via DM, and I'll happily keep it there. When it comes to, you know, okay, can you quote a price for this project, or can we set up a Zoom call? That's the point where I would take them out of there, and I'd send them actually for for, for consultations. You know, I use Zoom and Calendly together. So I can just send them a link and then they book on and then everything then goes through email, especially for quoting for work. But but generally, I'm happy to communicate with them through LinkedIn. And I find that it's actually the most responsive way to, to communicate with some clients. And of course, you can do the whole video thing, the, the whole audio notes thing as well, if you want to. So, yeah. John, what irritates you on LinkedIn? Um, I think probably the, 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 the salesy or low value content that I see. I mean, a lot of content in my feed is not relevant uh, and, and it's, it tends to be poorly constructed or poorly thought out. And so what I do, the, the way I counter that 
is to make sure that I'm following only the people who really inspire me, educate me, entertain me and remove, you know, stop following all the others. So there's a screen where you can see all of the people that you're following and it lists them in order of how many posts they've made that week. So you can see some of the real spammers at the top. And I will just be quite ruthless about unfollowing people whose content doesn't inspire me because it's too salesy or it's too boring or it's not relevant. Um, I'm happy to stay connected with those people because maybe we'll have a direct message conversation. But for my own kind of, you know, my, my own sanity, I want to see stuff that inspires me and therefore I'll unfollow people. And I recommend everyone gives that a try. I know that LinkedIn has recently, very recently started referring to unfollowing and muting. So I don't know if there's some kind of A-B test going on about that. But is that just a terminology thing or are they different functions? I'm not quite sure yet. But I do recommend that you unfollow uh, the people who don't inspire you. And also bear in mind that unfollowing someone is not the same as disconnecting mm. from them, because a lot of people aren't aware of the difference. But if you can stay connected, but unfollow someone, it means that you don't see their content in your feed. But you can still direct message each other and they will still see your content. So actually, you might be winning there. Um, so unfollowing is a really powerful tool to get around bad content on LinkedIn. John, you have been working with many people on LinkedIn and you're helping people uh, to understand the platform and of course you're helping them with uh, getting around with the content for, for LinkedIn, uh, so on and so forth. I wanted to ask you, uh, what are you most proud of in terms of your work which you have done for your clients? Well, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the, a lot of the private stuff I can't really talk about, which is a pain, you know, under non-disclosure agreements and stuff like that. But I, you know, I, I do, I'm, I am really proud of the people who I am able to help to improve their LinkedIn presence. You know, re I rewrite people's profiles. I show them how to get better engagement and that kind of stuff is great because I tend to do that kind of work with small business owners, you know, and when you see someone say, you know, I had, a thousand more profile views that month or you know i got a client because of you know i followed one of your tips and i i got a client that's brilliant you know because that person's got a family to feed and i taught them something that helped them feed their family mm -hmm. basically so so that's that's a wonderful feeling so anytime i can help to get a good person some more visibility on linkedin that's good and it's something that's really important to me is is to increasingly work with only kind of good hearts and minds i say you know I, i'm not interested in people who are just who just want to make money that's it that's the only reason they're in business it's nice to work with people who really care what they do really want to help others and just demonstrate the right the right kind of personal brand values and those are the people i just absolutely love helping with with linkedin and I think you're demonstrating that, you know, that passion of yours uh, with your book as well, right? Like because the content DNA, uh, again, it's been mentioned many, many times, um, you know, in the LinkedIn community. How proud are you of, of the book? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it was a passion project. It took me two years to write it and I had to launch it during COVID time, which was difficult because I had all of these speaking appearances lined up and of course everything got cancelled. So it was a bit frustrating. I couldn't really put it out into the world the way I wanted to originally. But, you know, a lot of people have said nice things about it. And, and um, I should be clear that the book is more foundational than just LinkedIn. It's more about building your personal brand and creating content that resonates with people. And you can apply those lessons actually on Facebook or, or Twitter or anywhere really. So it's not specifically about LinkedIn, but I think the lessons can be useful 
for LinkedIn. And for me, it's it, I'm not going to make money off the book, but it's a it's a marketing piece. It's an authority piece. And people will book consultations and writing projects because they'll say, you know, you've written a book. Um, you know, we can see that you're an authority and therefore we want to hire you. So from that point of view, it's, it's a really useful tool for me to have. <laughs> I actually remember that uh, I think one of your friend he created a short video about about the book. Uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it was really funny video which almost reminded me kind of like a Monty Python sketch or something like this. You remember that one, right? Uh, well, you might be thinking about the David Brent video. So I've done yeah. I've done one of those, and that yeah, that that's uh, <laughs> people like that one at the time. But yeah, lots of people have talked, uh, you know, said nice things about it. It's not just one video about it. There are a few. So um, yeah, I'm really honoured, and um, I'm actually thinking about writing a second book at the moment, but I haven't got that fully mapped out yet. So uh, maybe when I do, perhaps I'll come back on the podcast if you'll have me. Absolutely. And that's a actually good segue which, uh, to, my, to my next question, which I wanted to ask you, what future holds for you in terms of LinkedIn? You know, we are less than two months towards the end of this year. 2020 has not been really, you know, um, a good year for many of us. But um, what future holds for you? Well, I, th I think I want to move more and more of my business towards LinkedIn. You know, my bread and butter, the main business is copywriting for websites. But actually, I enjoy doing the LinkedIn stuff a lot more. But as I'm always at pains to point out, LinkedIn is a massive place. And there's so many different areas that you could cover. You know, it could be about premium could be about sales navigator, could be about pro finder, could be about LinkedIn elevate, lots of stuff that people have never even heard of. And I'm not an expert in those things, LinkedIn ads, recruitment, job seeking. I'm not really an expert in those, but I am good at profile writing and content creation and engagement. So I want to do more of that for clients, but also I want to train people more, I think, because I think that's my strength is explaining how stuff works. So to that end, um, I'm hoping to be able to launch an expanded training course online to help people, uh, you know, build a better uh, LinkedIn presence. So that's, I think that's going to be one of my focuses for 2021. And my last question would be around, what do you see, how LinkedIn is going to evolve? What, what, what do you foresee for the platform itself? Well, I, th I think organic reach, which is the, the kind of the holy grail for content creators on social media, I think that's going to continue for, for, for at least a couple of years. So I think that's that's a really good sign for, for people joining the platform now, um, because, you know, LinkedIn's business model isn't the same as Facebook's or Twitter's or any other social media. It's all based on getting those premium and sales navigator subscriptions isn't it so that means that they don't have to monetize content in the same way and therefore there's still a massive opportunity um i i think i don't know maybe there'll be even more different content types added um so that you could perhaps share an audio post as an embedded thing within linkedin i'd love to see that because then i could share all of the podcast interviews i've done without having to share them as videos. I think that would be really, really good. But I see, you know, I see lots of progression coming. And, and I think, as I said before, I think the new CEO, because he used to work in the product department, I think he's going to make the product even better than it is now. Uh, and this is without question, the number one business platform in the world. And it's only going to strengthen that, that position. So if you're listening to this and you haven't already dived into LinkedIn, um, I, I suggest that your business will benefit from you having a strong presence here. Uh, and if you need support in creating content, then, then find someone to, who can hold your hand and show you the basics and, and get you up and running and then commit to it for the long term. 
and it will work out for you as it has for me. Awesome. Someone like you. Well, no, someone I'm... like you, Vitek, because you're a video creator and I, you know, I'm not an expert in doing that, but, but sometimes a little bit of paid support can just teach you the tricks that you need and then you can do it yourself afterwards. So, you know, a little bit of mentoring or a little bit of support can really go a long way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. John, before we go, uh, I would like to ask you, where can we find more about you and uh, where you want to direct our audience uh, to, to your book, to your website, uh, to your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a very unusual surname. So if you search for Esperian, so that's E-S-P-I-R-I-A-N, you'll find my website and you'll find my LinkedIn profile in the main. Um, and the, the book that I'm promoting at the moment is called Content DNA. So if you look that up on Amazon, you should be able to find that pretty easily. But uh, yeah, I'm always open for a chat. So do please connect with me on LinkedIn and say, I heard you on VTech's LinkedIn Smart Podcast. And then I'll know where you came from and I'll be much more likely to say yes to your invitation. <laughs> awesome. John, it was really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, as always, so many, so many new things um, we could learn today. And I'm really happy that you, you gave us the time today. No problem at all, Vitek. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.